Thank you. And t- you. Please take your seat. It's good to see you this morning. I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right at it. So uh, thank you so much for that kind introduction. Gospel of Luke chapter 11 and verse 24 to 26 is where we'll be reading this morning. I want to ask you a question as we start. Are you trying to quit? Now, now notice I did not say what, okay? Now, you might start, you know, the guilty dog starts barking, you know, and I heard a lot of woofing as I started that. But the title of the message this morning is Quit Trying to Quit. I was talking with somebody a while ago about this theme, and it's something that I've been working on really kind of for years in my mind, and God's never given an opportunity to share it. It just felt like I need to do that. Luke chapter 11, verse 24 to 26 Word of God states this. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house whence I came out. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. I will confess to you this morning that I have no idea how to quit whatever it is you want to quit. And so that's why I want to tell you, quit trying to quit. I believe in the years in ministry that I've had, I think I've probably heard just about everything from how do I quit sucking my thumb to how do I get off of cocaine? (laughs) Almost. And the truth is, I, I feel like that I don't have the answers. And you look at me and you say, you're supposed to be a preacher. I am, of sorts kind of reminds me, an old redneck from Johnson County, I can call us that, right, because I are one, <laughs> well, got on a plane and he was sitting beside a lawyer who thought he knew it all. And the lawyer thought he'd poke a little fun at this guy. And he looked at him and he said, hey, uh, I tell you what, old farmer, he said, look, I- I'll give you a-, a-, a little game we'll play to make the time go by. It was a rather long flight. And he said, sure. He said, here's the riddle. He said, if I ask you a riddle and you can't answer it, you give me $5. If, if you, if, if, if then you ask me a question and if I can't answer it, I'll give you $500. <laughs> well, now this didn't seem like too bad of a deal. He wasn't all that bright, but he thought he could hold his own. So he said, go ahead, lawyer, lay it on me. The lawyer looked at him and said, what goes up a, or I'm sorry, I, I'm ahead of myself. <laughs> What, uh, he said, how, how, the lawyer looked at him and said, my turn first. How far is the moon from the earth? And the old farmer looked back at him, said, scratched his head a while, said, I have no idea. Pulled out $5 and gave it to him. Well, the, the, the lawyer said, all right, your turn, sir. And, and so the old farmer, he thought a minute, and he said, what goes up a hill, has three legs, comes back down, has four. He scratched his head and the lawyer thought and he scratched on paper and he looked up all the material he had, looked on his computer, struggled the entire flight. Finally, as they're walking down the tarmac, he says, I give up, 
pulls out a checkbook, writes the man a $500 check. Farmer politely said thank you and started off. And he said, but wait, wait, wait. What? What goes up a hill has three and comes down with four? (laughs) Old farmer reached in his pocket and pulled out $5 and said, I give up. What? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you understand there are some questions in life we struggle with. We, it, it, before I had a child, I think I could have probably told you 500 ways to raise a child. After I've had one, and we have a lot of children around the house besides our one just about all the time. I mean, there's always kids in and out. I can tell you this. I have learned all of my child theology raising is boiled down to one thing. Water them, feed them, and make sure they're not naked when they leave. That's, you do that and you're good. No idea how they're going to turn out. That's between them and God, I guess. <laughs> That's good, good, simple basics, you know. But the truth is, I don't know. And we see here the struggle of a habit. We Americans have our habits, don't we? And we have our pills, you know. We, we got a pill to make our heart race faster. We got a pill to slow it down. We got a pill to make our stomach feel better. We got one to make it feel worse. We, got a, a pill, we have a pill to put us to sleep. We got a pill to wake us up and get us going. We got a pill to take, to take care of the pill that we just took. I mean, we got habits, don't we? And we see this man is struggling, it says, and he says, when the unclean spirit is left a man. Now, I suppose that we could argue whether this man was saved or not, but we're not going to because the concept is a biblical concept that is found in the entire Word of God. He's been sweeping. He's got his broom. You can see it. He's cleaning up the room, throwing out the old stuff. And we see this man struggling. What, what's the difference between a habit and an addiction? And I know this is one of those messages where we want to look, at one, we want to look down the row and say it's our neighbor. But uh, no, 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 I don't want you to do that. I want you to look at you as the old song say, it's me, oh Lord. You know what the difference between a habit and an addiction is? It's the way society views it. We see a serial killer or a serial rapist as horrible, wrong. So why don't when we see a person who turns for another look, guys, why don't we say they're addicted? We said, that's not true, Brother Tim. Well, what did the, what's the Word say? You see, what I want to do today is take you not from what Tim knows, but from what the Word of God says. The Bible says these are some concepts that will work if you use them. Because I don't got a clue. The Bible says, he that looketh upon a woman to lust after her, or it can be phrased as a man, either one. Ladies, it's guilty already. In their heart. As we've been going through the Lord's Supper play, and uh, one of the particular lines, uh, Brother Russ Walton has been playing Judas, and it's very, that's a very, very difficult part to play. 
Because we begin to feel those parts as we struggle through this. But there's one particular line that I love from that play. He says, my heart is not as dirty as you might think, neither is yours as clean. You see, he's struggling with a habit and we find that man and God see sins differently. You know, man sees sin as an accident, but God sees it as an abomination. It is absolutely different. And we find the word addiction is not even used in our Bible except for in the form of addicted to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15... And I will read it for you because it does indeed tell us one of the biblical concepts of habits. Chapter 16 and verse 15 of 1 Corinthians. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanophis, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They have addicted themselves. Now, I want you to hold on to that thought. Have you got it? You know, put it over here. Because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. You see, there are certain things, and he's saying, look, when you addict yourself to the ministry so strong, you won't have to worry about the rest of the things. But we see the man that is struggling with a habit today. We see people that are, their body is wrecked by drugs. We see people that, is, that are wrecked by alcohol. We see church members that don't get enough devotion time because they can't pull away from the TV tube long enough. And we are addicted to things we don't even know we're addicted to. You know what? I I love coffee. And most likely I'm addicted to it. You take it away from me and see what happens, huh? (laughs) I have no desire to stop it either. (laughs) Don't plan on it. You see... There are things, though, that are different. The society viewing them is is basically how it is. I mean, we're taught from an early age that we have habits and that most of them are bad and we need to quit them. (laughs) You think about it. A little two-year-old runs around. Get your thumb out of your mouth. Why are you sucking your thumb? (laughs) If your face wrinkles, if you put your face like that, it's going to stay that way. Then what are you going to do, you know? Some of the expressions we use to kids makes me kind of wonder what in the world kids grow up thinking, you know? I was thinking this morning, just imagine a a child that goes into a pet store and his mama's told him, if you keep doing that, your face is going to stay that way. And then he goes and looks at one of those little Sharpay dogs, you know. (laughs) Probably looks at him and says, "Uh uh-huh, that'll learn you, won't it? (laughs) You know, we we have all that that where we are taught at an early age that there are certain things we got to stop. And we have habits and don't chew your fingernails and don't pick your nose. (laughs) I mean, I hope that you can break that. I mean, I really do. (laughs) But you see, we see a struggle. And we as humans, we struggle with habits. We are born with them. We have them. We cannot get away from them. And you will not lose them this side of glory. The struggle of a habit. 
I remember one time talking to a man who was in his late 80s and a young, I was at a Bible college and one of the, one of the men looked at him, young men, and said, look, professor, he said, when do you start, stop struggling with lustful thoughts as a young man? Struggling with that temptation. And the elderly professor, he turned and looked at him and he said, I'm 82 and it hasn't stopped yet. You see, the struggle's always there. But you say, well, well what does that sound like a doomsday? No, no, we've got more. Just hang with me. The struggle of a habit. This man has taken his broom. He swept it out. I don't know what the habit is. You can fill in the blank. I didn't, I didn't say anything earlier because there's uh, no need to. If something came into your mind, that's not me. That's the Holy Spirit of God saying, all right, let's work on this one a while. Quit trying to. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not my job to tell you what you need to do and what you don't need to do. God do all that on his own. We, we tried to clean the fish while we got them in the boat way too much already. And please let me help you understand, we are not talking about salvation and your eternal security here. Because you can be saved doing whatever it is you're doing right now, right this very instant. You may be out there in the radio land or on the internet, and you may be involved in the most gruesome, sickest habit in the world. And God says, the foot of the cross is open to you. Whosoever will may come. But I'm afraid as church members, we have gotten where we've sit, soaked, and soured. We've come in and said, all right, I'm welcome at the foot of the cross. But we forgot the last part of the message was don't stay there. (laughs) Everybody's welcome at the foot of the cross. Just don't stay where you came in. Keep on growing. We see not only the struggle of a habit, this man took his broom. He swept out his house. He's went around the several of these rooms. He's got the living room clean. It's, you can see it now. The floor is, is spotless. You can eat off of it. No dust. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing there. And, you know, and, and then he, he's been through all these different rooms. He's, he's cleaned the ceiling. He's cleaned the walls. He's wiped down the door handles. He's washed the windows. It's clean. We even see the stopping of a habit. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 7 and verse 15 to 21. I love several, uh, much of the New Testament uh, just fits us where we live. Galatians also talks about you which are spiritual, consider yourself. Not for the grace of God we'd be in anything today. Let's see what Paul has to say about it. You think maybe that uh, you struggle. Listen to Paul. Chapter 15 of Romans, for that which, or chapter 7, I'm sorry, chapter 7 and verse 15. For that which I do, I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. In other words, what I want to do, I don't do. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
For the will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, that I would not, it sounds like he's talking in, in tongue twisters here, don't it? <laughs> but you find yourself there, haven't you? I don't want to do that. And then you go do that. I'm going to stop this tomorrow. I'm going to stop procrastinating, but I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of the God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin, which is in my members. We take our broom out, we begin to sweep, and we begin to not only struggle of habits, but we see the stopping of a habit. We stop something. We've been sweeping. We've been cleaning up. I'm not so sure the Apostle Paul was very good at stopping, though, are you? Because he says, hey, I tried to stop this, and you know what happened? I found myself doing it. You know, I have habits that I have tried to stop, and then I don't. You say, what are they? I'm not telling you. It's none of your business. You might be prone to gossip. (laughs) But that's where the Apostle Paul was. And we're no better. He, He says, look, I have tried. I have tried and I have tried to stop whatever it is. And it's not working. That I want to do. I don't do. That I don't want to do. I do. Because there is a law. You see that flesh is a resident inside of us that screams out, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And the thing we don't want to do, our body yells out, our mind yells out, our soul yells out, and we give in. The stopping of a habit. I want to put before you this morning, however, that maybe the Apostle Paul did not seem to rank stopping very high on his list. And say, well, how do you figure that? Well, I began to study this some time ago and began to look, and I don't find it in the Bible. In fact, I do not find that even the word stop is in the Bible very, very little. The word stop only occurs seven times in your King James Bible. None of them referring to quitting Anything. And so I thought, well, that's all right. It's just a different terminology, different culture. And so I ran back in and I began to search out the word put away. I was just absolutely sure that would be the one. Guess what? When you refer to quitting something, put away refers to absolutely zero times of quitting anything. Now, it does say things like put away uh, to the Israelites. In the, Is- in the Old Testament terminology, he would tell them to put away strange gods from among you. I understand that. You won't find it in the New Testament. thought that was interesting. Not in that context. In fact, what you find in the New Testament is a new word. Abstain. He says, abstain all appearance of evil. (laughs) Boy, could we part there a while or what? (laughs) I had a Bible college professor put it well. He said, look, Brother Tim, here's a good rule of thumb. If you're in doubt, don't. 
If you don't know if you should go do a something thing, just don't. When you're in doubt, just don't. But the new word in the New Testament, and, and I understand there, I'm not trying to say the Old Testament's not beneficial. We can glean much, much of it. Those of you who know me know I've preached many, many books out of it. But as, as we begin to look at that, the new, in the New Testament, he says, abstain from fornication, abstain from lust, abstain from meat offered to idols. And it seems the word that is used to help us in referring to habitual problems in our life is abstain. The Apostle Paul even said, look, I can eat anything I want to. I can do anything I want to. But I don't. Lest my liberty should offend somebody else. <laughs> you see, and, and even in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, when he says, abstain from all the appearance of evil, abstaining means to hold back. Or that controlling thing. You see, it gives the idea of a control. What's got a control on you? What's got a hold on you? We see the stopping of a habit. The man has the room clean. But can I put before you this morning, I think we need to be starters instead of stoppers. The starting of a habit. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Let's look at that passage, shall we? Great, great passage of Scripture. You may be familiar with it. I guarantee you, whatever you struggle with, this verse will fit. You say, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all verse. Well, let's read it and see. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true... Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Can you just see a man holding a Budweiser, half drunk, fitting in any of that category? Is it virtuous? Is it just? Is it honest? Can you just see the man slipping a dollar bill or two at the cash register at work? Or, or even, and we, we call it white collar crime, like that's supposed to make it better. But the man embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars or even just a little bit. Is it honest? Is it virtuous? Is it pure? Is it just? You see, no matter what we put in to that category, can, can we see watching that show that we know we ought not? Is it honest? Is it pure? You know, involving in that dirty talk around your school buddies, around your work friends, those words that we shouldn't use, is it pure? Is it honest? Is it just? You see, it'll pretty well cover any portion of our life. But you said, well, what do you mean by starting of a habit? 
Instead of stopping just every day in your life, go to Philippians 4, 8. <laughs> All right, today I'm going to start being pure. I'm going to start being honest. I'm going to start being just. I guarantee you, if you do that all day long, you won't have to worry about quitting a thing. You won't have time to. (laughs) You know, when I got married, some things in my life changed. Now, I could not wait to get married. She was in part of the summer she was in Arizona and then Pennsylvania where she grew up and all that. And I was in Georgia, a long way apart. <laughs> Killed us. I mean, I, and she was on a different time zone. And so I was having to call at, you know, like two in the morning or something. I don't remember. And we were talking as much as possible on the phone. That was before I, you young people, you just don't listen. That was before the days of cell phones with all the free minutes. <laughs> and I know that that's terribly archaic, but uh, no texting, no Internet. We didn't have that kind of stuff then. Some of you folks that really aren't that old remember that, right? When the phone bill was astronomical. <laughs> and, and, and so we'd write letters. And I'd get a letter from her and we would try to write each other almost every single day, you know. And she'd spray them with perfume. <laughs> and you say, oh, oh well, I was in love. <laughs> I still am. With the same woman. <laughs> So it makes a good marriage, falling in love many times with the same lady over and over again. But you know what? I noticed some things. I had some habits that changed. I was thinking the other day and I asked my wife, I said, what happened to my cowboy boots? (laughs) She don't remember. That polka dotted shirt that I had. Anybody remember the Rush Limbaugh ties when they came out? Must not. You know, <laughs> some of you do. They were made with every color in the book. I mean, just as it, it seemed awful funny for somebody who was a conservative to have such a liberal tie, you know. <laughs> but I remember I had one. Somebody in the church in Georgia had given me a gift certificate. He owned a men's clothing store and said, I want you to pick out a Rush Limbaugh tie. At that time, they were about 40 bucks a piece. That was a big deal. I'd never had a $40 tie for cents. And I, I, uh, I remember, I don't even like to wear ties. So. But, but I remember uh, I went and I got that, and I got the brightest one he had in the store. I mean, you could see it coming in the dark. <laughs> I wore that thing. I love that tie. You know, I'd wear it all the time. Had a gold chain on the back of it, made on it, until I tore it off because I get it hung on something. No idea. I don't where that tie went. I don't know. I found out I didn't go back home and sleep in my old bed anymore. I, I, I try not to throw my socks on the floor as much anymore. We're working on that one. Wendy says, no way she'd trade me in. It's too hard to train a new model. <laughs> Do you know what? There were little things. Change. A man marries a woman hoping she won't change, and a woman marries a man hoping she can change them, you know? <laughs> and, and, and things changed around my being. But you know what? I don't care. Because I started something new. I started a home, a family, 
of marriage. Not hard not to wear cowboy boots. I'd probably hurt myself if I put a pair on now anyway. It's not, not hard not to wear a polka dotted shirt. It's a lot easier to say, what, did you, what do you think I ought to wear today, honey? <laughs> I don't mind because I started a marriage. I'm in love. I mean, it's not hard. I didn't have to quit anything. I guess, and I know my wife, there's been very few things she's really told me you can't do. I mean, I, I could probably ask her, you know, and really, really, you know, say, could I play? And she'd probably get me wear a pair of boots, you know. Just might not go anywhere with me. But um, no, she probably would. And I wear my work boots all the time. But I mean, I could, I could probably do that. But I don't really care to. It's not a big deal. I'd much rather be married. Man. I mean, I, 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 there's not a problem. And I want you to envision your life as a house this morning. Start something. You know, there are some practical things we can do. Start an exercise program. Do you realize that your brain, I try to go on a walk every, every morning. That's the first thing I do after my coffee. My coffee's on a timer. I get up and I hit, hit the road walking. I mean, that's what I do every morning. It gives me a chance to talk with God and it gives me a chance to get some coffee in and if I sit still and try to pray, I'll fall asleep. Bad habit, but instead I started something years ago. Start something. Your brain cells work better when they're getting oxygen. Your body works better and it won't if you don't exercise enough. But not only physical exercise, but spiritual Start something spiritual. Eat right. Try to eat well, you know, and and that's bodily exercise profiteth a little. The Word of God tells us. A little. But eat right spiritually. Have you ever tried to read the Bible for an hour? Say, man, I have to, you know, after five minutes, you're looking at your wife. Things broke. (laughs) But how long is the average sitcom? 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, man, it's when it the minute already off, you know. <laughs> Just started. Eat right. I, I remember when Ruth Nestler, which I've referred to her a few times before, but she was in her 90s, and I don't know, I guess she was around, I want to say late 80s, she fell off a ladder and broke her arm or something. In her 80s. And when I would go over to her home at night and visit her, she had, she was, even when she was in her 90s, she checked her internet every day. I mean, she was into everything. The doctor told her, you, you can't keep, she had rheumatoid arthritis and was, had that crippling type, but she didn't stop. And they said it would cripple her. It didn't, not till just before she died. She kept by her telephone little wads of paper and balls. And she would sit there, and the entire time she was talking, she was working those fingers, working that paper. She said, I'm not going to give in to it. I'm not going to let it get me, because if I keep it moving. And she was right. She wanted to write cards, because she wrote cards to all everybody. I mean, it wasn't a birthday anniversary went by. I didn't get a card from Ruth. 
And she did that all over the world, not just in our area. But you know what? The Bible has a lot to say about being slothful. Much of our problems comes from that. As the man turns on, as the slothful man turns upon his bed, the, the slothful man says, There's a lion in the street. Get up, start something. Instead of trying to quit something, start something. What are you going to start tomorrow? You having, you, you, are, are you having trouble with, with lust? Then start a new love for the Lord tomorrow. If you're married, start a new love for your wife. Say, I'm going to love my wife even deeper than I ever have before. I'm going to have a passion for God. You single folks, just, just determine that you are going to love God with all your heart, your soul, your might. You won't have to quit a thing. You won't have to quit nothing. You know, this man I see, back to our passage in Luke, he's sweeping. He's clean. I've dealt with a lot of teenagers over the years and, and adults alike, and, and one of the terminologies is, is staying clean. And of course, to a person who's been on drugs, that has an entirely different attitude. I mean, usually you can talk with a person for about 30 seconds and find out if they've been clean or not. And usually you can tell about how long. If you know the signs. And that term is, you know, staying off of the drugs. I've been clean for three days or I've been clean for a month or I've been clean for three years or whatever. But I'm afraid we've put so much emphasis on the stopping that we're not starting anything. Remember I told you envision your life as a house? Just imagine you've remodeled this entire house. You're cleaning it up. You've got it clean as we talked about. I mean, it is just as clean as it can be. Comes a knock at the door of that house. It says, hey, uh, you know, it would be really neat for you to go to Sunday school. Brother Ray? That's your amen point, brother. He's supposed to jump up and down and shout. <laughs> Come to Sunday school. Great time where you learn more about the Bible. Make friends. No, 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 no. Don't you bring that furniture in here. I've got this room clean. Don't bring that Sunday school furniture in here. It, it's clean. See, see, the floors are clean. The window's clean. The roof's clean. Don't you bring that in here. Dirty up my house. We, we, we come and we have a, a revival, world missions revival, and God speaks to you about missions. And, and he says, look, you could give to missions and, and it'd be easier than, I don't know, whatever, whatever else it is you want to do with it. And, he says, and you say, no, 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 no. Don't you bring that mission stuff in my house. I've got a clean house. See that room over there? That room is clean. Look at it. It's spotless. I want to get it all dirty. Well, that's the, with that stand that says missions on it. Don't do that. You know, there, there's so many ministries that can be done and, and so many things that we get involved with the handyman. No, no, I, I, I don't have enough time for that. Don't you bring that furniture. Don't bring that big old couch in my house. 
It's clean. I'm clean there. I don't don't want that. It's swept clean. What happens when you clean a room? You can clean a room. I mean, you can just clean it, clean it, clean it, and clean it. (laughs) You know, did your mom ever come in and say, is it your clean or my clean? (laughs) Because if it's not my clean, and this is usually our line, we're going in with a garbage can, and it will be when we get done, you know? (laughs) But what happens? You can shut up a room. Brother Calvin, he goes into a lot of real estate houses that don't have anything in them, no furniture at all. You can shut that room up, walk away, leave it. Nobody can go in there. Go back to it a year from now, will it be clean? Uh-uh. It'll be dusty. I don't know where it comes from, but it just comes. It'll be dirty. There might be mice droppings on the floor. Spider webs in the ceiling. Cobwebs. Why? A room with nothing in it gets dirty. And that biblical concept is not stop so much as start. You think about what the Word of God says. Behold, you're a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Starting. On resurrection day, he rose again. The Easter egg is part of an illustration to show us of a brand new life. To start. You see, that biblical concept is found throughout to start something, get busy, get doing something. And you won't have to worry about quitting. But we want to say, no, 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 no don't bring that stuff in here. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a little boy. He, um, he, he had uh, went up there and, and his, his mother, mother told him to go upstairs and and clean out his room. And so he did. He took everything and threw it right under the bed. <laughs> Thinking she wouldn't notice. We try to do that, don't we? Let's just shove it under the rug. Throw it under the bed. Starting of a habit. Tomorrow's Monday. Where are you going to start Tomorrow. That thing that came to your mind when I said quit trying to quit. What is it that you are going to start in place of? What will it be? And the list is long. I don't need to forbear you with that because we all have them. (laughs) But I want to challenge you this morning to take a fresh look at it. Is it pure? Is it honest? Is it just? Then start doing that right away. And you'll never, ever have to worry about quitting anything. I used to have a phrase that I used when I was coaching, and the boys would say, it's time to quit. And I'd say, not yet. And I'd look at them and I'd say, quitters never win and winners never quit. It's a cliche, but it's worked for me. 
So once again, let me ask you, where are you going to start? Let's stand, shall we, for a time of invitation this morning. and Try to be brief and just get a few points across, and certainly there's no way could ever replace the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You might have come in here today and say, how do you know I was struggling with that? I don't. And I don't have a clue how to stop anything for you, as I said, but he does. Part of it is just being willing to say, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. I'll trust you and obey. Yes, Lord. Yes.